Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to another edition of JJ and Alex right here, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen. I don't know what to say. I mean, as soon as you. I mean, sports is the number one bringer together of of communities, I feel like. Do you think that's right? The number one thing that brings us together is as a community where we can all kind of jam on something? Yeah, well, we all deal with reality of life, which is hard. And we all try to escape and it with And we sports. need an escape. Yes. And everyone has – some people have books. Some people have hobbies. Some people have movies, TV shows. And then a lot of you listening right now have sports. And sports are supposed to be the diversion. But sometimes reality and sports – cross paths and we're dealing with that right now kansas city chiefs had their parade today to honor the super bowl champions it's being overshadowed by the breaking news uh that hit all of us pretty hard today which is the shooting near the chiefs the end of the chiefs parade obviously not a lot of information known about who or why they do have suspects in custody which is good but one dead so far i say so far because there are um there are a handful more that are still in critical condition. We've also heard that there are some children that are involved in the in in some of these uh, injuries. Ten to fifteen now reported injured. We might see that number go up. We hope that the number of people who've been killed does not go up. Right. It's at least at one. This ruins my day so many times. Of uh, you know, you have this kind of stuff, and it ruins your day. And then the sports part of it gets you to forget about this kind of stuff. But it happened in the intersection of where exactly. sports and uh, and all these things kind of meet up together. What city is going to want to have a parade at this point? What city wants to be that one that has a tragedy like this happen to them? None of them. And so this kind of stuff goes away. This kind of stuff is no longer a part of we can't have nice things, right? That's part of what this is. We can't have nice things. And so, um, you know, I think initially I, I, we just don't know any details because it, because it's near the end of the parade. You don't know if people were waiting for crowds to leave and then that's when they attacked. Uh, you don't know. We don't know if, it, if it's just a, you know, a gunfight between two Groups. I mean, I don't know what it is. We don't know what it is yet. But it, it's a tragedy. Imagine trying to celebrate something like that. You pull your kids out of school. You go to this parade, and this happens. That's a, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be the big, the massive bummer on this thing, JJ, because I don't want this to be the pall over everything we talk about today. But, but we have to acknowledge it. But you have to have to talk about it. It's not just right in front of us. Normally, when I go to news outlets, you do the same thing. I mean, we, we do the same thing. Where we, we, we get our news and then our sports from separate places. 
and they live in those totally different places. And I go to those other websites so I don't have to see that update about the the shooting here, uh, the murders here. And so I hate to see this kind of thing happen. And again, like I said, we have to talk about it, at least for that moment. And I know people think that thoughts and prayers don't matter that much. I think they do in moments like this, though, right? I think that in a moment where I can't do anything else, I can I can do that, right? And it, it, like I said, it's not much. But Kansas City now, all these people from their news departments who have been, they're all wearing Chiefs gear covering this parade, and then covering the parade is now covering a mass shooting. Yeah, it's it reminds me of the Boston uh, Marathon. Oh, gosh. I was at work that day. And that was just because, you, you know, you just – Every year, the Boston Marathon took place, and and then all of a sudden, you're hearing what was happening, and as the things developed and everything played out that day, it just became a surreal experience for the entire country watching it play out on TV, and and you know, you just you you want to celebrate these great moments, and then someone ruins it by doing something so senseless, and it makes you angry. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things you could go into. We're not going to go into on this show. But you just, you're just, every time this happens, you get those same emotions come back. Is that you're just angry. It's like, how does this keep happening? And it's just, it's going to happen again. We're going to be yeah. doing a show two or three months from now, and something's going to happen again. And just like, it, it sucks. Yeah. There's just no other way to describe it. And yeah, we're sitting here doing a radio show. There's nothing we can do about anything, but we want to acknowledge it and, yeah, if before anything, we move on with a three-hour sports show, that yeah, we are thinking about this, and and, it, and it's 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 awful, it's terrible. We hope that the like you said, the numbers of the dead don't go up. Obviously, there's more than a dozen people injured. We've heard some of them are children. We just don't know a lot of details right now about why this took place. What yeah. was it about? Um, it sounds like there's two people that were armed that have been taken into custody. We don't know anything more than that right now, and if let's just hope those numbers stay where they're at. If you've ever been to Kansas City. This is like the the hub for them. That their Union Station, yeah, is it would be the equivalent of a of a of an even bigger city creek. They held the draft there. Yes, and so it's a it's a it's a really cool place. If you've never been before, I've stayed right there downtown, right where that Union Station, uh, massive like building, you know, it used to be the train station, you know, and so anyway. Uh, we will give you details as soon as we know more about those things, but uh, it's a it's an awful thing that we have to we have to acknowledge and and actually uh, it becomes part of the story of uh, unfortunately of of this Kansas City Chiefs uh, championship. This ends up being an uh, you know an appendage of that, and it's and, and it's 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 awful. So, all right, let's kick the show off. Our program is brought to you by G two G bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G two G bar perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. Uh, always glad to have them part of the show. And also Trajan Wealth, T-R-A-J-A-N, wealth.com. That's Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciaries. Uh, let's get into the cut. We have some other news that has to deal with, man, I mean, as soon as you think something's going well, and on a Valentine's Day where we're supposed to be in love with this team that is supposed to be coming to Salt Lake City even temporarily. Dang it! We get <laughs> we get our hearts ripped out by the dang it, uh, and here it goes. Let's get to the cut. Let's jump in right here. It's time for the biggest story of the day. 
This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right. I think all of us at some point, well, I mean, guys like me, I have been used as a pawn in a love <laughs> scheme before. When I'm the rebound for some gal in school and I go, I got this girl, man. Oh, She's, I mean, she's cuter than I can usually, of a girl than I could usually land here. I don't, this is not my, this is not my style, but I'm just going to roll with this thing. And then after two or three weeks, you realize, oh, they just got out of a bad breakup. And then you go, oh, I'm finding out more and more that this breakup was, how long, 18 months you guys dated? Oh, geez. Oh, he proposed to you. Oh, okay. Oh, he's calling you again. Oh, you guys are getting back together. You feel like, oh, no, no, it is. It's not you. It's me. Okay. I mean, it's not me. It's you. I've heard it before. We have been used as a love pawn in the A's trying to get into the Coliseum for a longer term without having to leave and give up some TV rights. JJ, please explain to me what went on here because we were told behind closed doors that this thing was basically a done deal, that the A's coming to Salt Lake for a temporary three years was basically a done deal, and then I think we're finding out today that we've just been used. You stink, and I don't like you! Utah, you are in the friend zone. Oh, no! Yep. And we know what that means. Uh, <laughs> you ain't getting any. <laughs> you're not getting the A's. No, this, you're not listen, getting any loving tonight. You're I, in the friend zone. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't go there. We Jeez. just got side hugged by the freaking A's. Side hugged. Uh, handshake. <laughs> we just got. You are so. You mean so much to me. You're like my. What my sorority sisters? What my sorority You're like my br- my my brother. That he. You're just like him. Don't text me. <laughs> we just got used. According to reports, uh, the regional sports network television deal that they have there is the biggest part of this. They get about $67 million a year. They get returned back to the A's. That's a huge chunk of money for a team that does not make a lot of money. We know that, right? right. It's a small market team. This is Moneyball, right? And the A's officials are supposed now. As of today, we know that the A's officials are expected to meet with the Coliseum, with the city of Oakland, both of which, by the way, the city of Oakland has given you the middle finger like multiple times, JJ. They have absolutely given the A's a middle finger. I don't blame them for staying because it is the most rational thing to do, but this is an irrational franchise. This is a really, you know what I blame it on now that I think about it? You remember all those times you disparaged the A's, bro? In the last few weeks? Oh, it was my fault. So I, this, think, this, I did this? I think they heard us. <laughs> I think they heard you. Even though you would apologize right after you would disparage this uh, historic franchise. Terrible organization. But please come to Utah for three years. They didn't like that? Look, is that about, what you're saying? Yeah. Think about how weird this relationship is. You've got Oakland, their their city, Alameda County. <laughs> it, 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 yes. It is a freaking Benny Hill but what poop about, show. What about the uh, big Vegas Again. Sp- stadium at the Tropicana? Even the, even the city, hey, A's, even the city that you guys are actually signed up to be a part of, they want out. 
And we're the only ones welcoming you with open arms. Maybe that's why we're so unattractive. Do we give off desperate vibes, JJ? Oh, we absolutely do. Was this like a... Uh, <laughs> oh, are we already bidding adieu to the A's who haven't even shown up yet? I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> oh. Nonetheless, Oakland, it was fun. Oh, just the idea made me... We hope you enjoyed your uh, trip to Salt Lake, your tour. Probably got a hoodie from the bees. In downtown Daybreak. <laughs> the stadium that could have been yours for three years. You would have had people who loved you way more than the folks of Oakland did. We would have packed the stadium for you. You're going to get 500 people in the Coliseum. Have fun. Enjoy your $67 million of TV money when no one's watching yeah. you in the stadium. This is the equivalent of living on your ex's couch while they're dating somebody else. And you just need a couch for three years before your stadium gets built and your new girlfriend invites you to live with her. We didn't need you anyway, A's. <laughs> We were the safe choice. Go lose 100 games in Oakland. Hey, we don't care. We were the safe choice. Sure, we're a little pudgy around the around the middle. But maybe we should make a deal with the A's. Hey, if you're still single in four years, and I'm still single in four years, then we get married, okay? That's our deal. See, I'm telling you, this has way too many. And on a Valentine's Day to get our hearts ripped out like this? I mean, the, the script writes itself, really. I don't, I don't know what to think. From the nuts and bolts standpoint, though, JJ, why does this deal with MLB and the A's and Oakland City and Alameda County and then Las Vegas, obviously, involved in all of this, how – I mean, there's just no way. I mean, you said it right off the bat when we started doing show prep. You're like, we got used. We got used as leverage, which is not the first time that that's happened in the world of sports. And so this is the ugly truth of how this works – they're going to likely extend the lease on the Coliseum. What else would they do with that building? And they're going to have to stay at their uh, – they've just divorced their 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 city, and they have to stay with their in-laws until they find a better place. That's awkward, man. They're now ex-in-laws, but they're nice enough to let you stay in there. I don't know how this works. I think you're getting a little too far ahead, though. Okay. So this is Give the me point some- in, the, in the, the relationship thing where it's like, wait a minute. Maybe they aren't going to get back together with their ex. Maybe the ex doesn't want them. Hmm? Mm. Have we thought about that? Now, the A's apparently want to meet with county officials on a Coliseum lease extension. That doesn't mean they're getting it. What happens when they don't get the stadium extension? Have we thought about that? Because we haven't approached that. All we know is the A's I've already sold in their a stuff. desperate situation... <laughs> Want to? Ex- they want to do it. Does the city want to do that? We mm. don't know. We don't know. I, I, look, I, I, we have. What if they can't get the extension and they can't play there in 2025? And this all has to be sorted out before July. Then where do they go? Do I mean they are they still planning on going to Vegas? Because if they're still planning on going to Vegas, Oakland's going to tell them to pound sand. I know. Which is why this situation exists in the first place. So maybe we do have a chance. But if there's money to be made by the city of Oakland and, and Alameda County. Is which there? Is, I, well, because why I'm would, sure. Why would they want to do this for three more years knowing that they're still going to leave in 2028? Are, they gonna, are the A's going to decide, no, we're going to stay here after all? Isn't it better than zero, though? The, the, the Coliseum's not going to do anything. What are they going to do? Have some monster truck rallies? 
What they're going I mean, to if do? I, if I was if I was the monster truck people, I wouldn't want to go there. No, no. But that's what I'm saying. Is like, what else are you going to do with the Coliseum? This might be a short term. Blow it up. This it's, might be a short term. It is, but it might be a short term beneficial situation for Oakland City and Alameda County, just because you're going to get they're going to extend the lease and they're going to pay you a bunch of money so that they can stay there for a little while. I don't get it. I I mean I I really don't. Oakland this is, doesn't. So what? Here's the leverage that Oakland would have is if they let them do this for three years, is just extend it. They actually, I, based on what I'm reading, is the Oakland mayor would push to get an expansion team for Major League Baseball, which is also bad for Salt Lake, by the way. Yeah. And you keep see- the A's name in any lease negotiation. So as part of the deal to extend the lease to the stadium. The A's would have to give up the A's name when they move. Huh. And then Oakland would be the number one competition for Salt Lake City for that western spot in MLB expansion in what could be around 2030. There's no way Rob Manfred would want the city of Oakland. Does he have the same relationship that uh, Atlanta does with uh, Gary Bettman? In the NHL? Here's another thing just from Rob Manfred keep... from this oh, article. You got, this is interesting. What's he saying? The commissioner, Rob Manfred, pushed for the relocation process to move along. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. This is last week, saying the A's interim site would be known in the next few months and then to be disappointed if the A's didn't open their Las Vegas stadium in 2028. Look, it's not just the A's that want that stadium in Vegas. Major League Baseball wants that stadium in Vegas. Well, the owners already voted. The owners already voted exactly. to move. Exactly. Okay, so, so is Oakland going to extend this lease by three years? For what? Why would they do that? The team's going to move. I don't think this is a done deal that they get the lease extension. If they don't get the lease extension, they do need a place to play, whether they get the $67 million of TV money or not. I just wonder. So the plan could still come to fruition that they play in Salt Lake for three years and go to Vegas in 2028. It's it it's it's feeling less likely because of what we're hearing today, but I don't think the idea of of the A's coming to Salt Lake for three years is out of the question yet. It's not dead, if that makes sense. The relationship is not active, but it's not dead. Meaning, the A's. I'm, am I going with this analogy still? You're like telling the, me there's the a A's chance? are trying to work things out with their ex. Uh... I, Does yes. that make sense? That's exactly what's happening. Now, and did they use did they use Salt Lake City and Vegas to make them jealous? When what do they want from the what do they want from Oakland? I don't know. You know, there will be. Well, no, they have no ability to make any. Oakland's just going to say, "What are you going to give us?" Because they're outside of Oakland, getting the team to stay there. Why would they want to help them? They're leaving. Yeah, tell them to pound sand. But again, if they extend the lease, it's a bad relationship to continue they, with our Valentine's theme. Of course, but it's an they, abusive relationship. If they fleece them on this new lease extension in terms of more money for Alameda County, they'll take their money for the temporary time, right? Or is it just a? I mean, really? I think the A's only care about money because they need that sixty-seven million. Yeah, they do. So I, I don't. I can't answer for them, but the fact that they're willing to go back to the table after all that's happened in Oakland between the A's and and the government, local government, uh, it tells you that the A's are maybe a little bit desperate to find a solution to keep that money. 
I am just, I'm beside myself because I think that now there's never a sure thing, right? When people tell us stuff like this is basically a done deal. I don't, I don't actually. You've been hearing some of that, you say? Yes. And I don't, I just can't believe it. Anytime somebody says that anyway, I already say no. But we are so, this, again, this is our insecure fandom here in the state of Utah, right? Do you, do you like us? Will you like us? Do you think we're pretty cool? Like that's it's another shot at, at at the state of Utah. It really is. Like we end up just getting another time where somebody goes, "Hey, we might want to we might want to develop something where you guys are at. We'll build a stadium for you right now." Okay, cool. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, thanks for dinner. <laughs> right? You know, that's okay because eventually we're going to find someone that loves us who for who we are. Oh, okay. And I think it's going to be Rob Manfred and MLB by 2030. On an extension or on, uh, on an on expansion, expansion team, and I think the NHL is going to decide. You know what, Utah, we love you too, and SEG Entertainment's going to nab a, either an expansion franchise or the Phoenix or the Arizona Coyotes again. And we're going to have three major, meaning of the. Four, I don't want to offend anybody. So be careful when I say this. Yeah. We'll have three franchises out of the four major North American sports um, leagues: the NHL, MLB, NFL, and NBA. Yeah. And MLS. No offense, and MLS, MLS right? and Major League Rugby, and those are all great. But they are, you know, the, the, the long time, about, long standing power four. Power Just call them the Power Four. There we Fine. go. We do it. In, we do it in college, and so that's the way we should do it. All right. Well, that's a disappointing bit of news. But stay tuned. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Leave the leave the door open for them to come back. To I'm gonna us. leave. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it unlocked. Because they, I still don't I still don't buy that uh, Oakland and the A's are going to be able to work out their differences in any form. Oh my gosh. I am just so I'm so over it, man. But the A's are desperate and maybe a little humbled because that TV money. But then again, here's the, here's the thing that bothers me about this whole situation is if Vegas knew that they would be leaving, sorry Vegas. If the A's knew that they'd be leaving that TV money on the off, you know, behind by making the move to Vegas, then why are they? Why were they doing any of this in the first place? Yeah, because they can only get that money if they're playing in Oakland. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, or some. You weren't going to be able to the... play. You're not going to play in Oakland when your lease right. is up. But do they think they were just going to be able to stay in Oakland until 2028? Yeah. Because initially, when I think they started this process, I don't think they thought they'd have to wait until 2028 to have a stadium to play in in Vegas. Yeah. The, the stuff with Vegas, and that's a whole different story. We don't have time for that. But the whole Vegas stadium thing is is a mess. We've, if you've listened to the show, we've, we've talked about that and the mayor's comments and everything else down there. It's kind of like, does Vegas really want this team? It's weird. The whole situation is weird. Yeah. Stay tuned. All right. Well, at, at the very least, J, uh, JJ's a little bit more optimistic about it. I just automatically go straight to my Dang insecurity. It. Dang it. I go, I go straight to my insecurities and I go, there's no way. There's no way that they'll love us again. There's no way we're going to get a shot. No one likes us. Maybe the door's still open. I like that you have a little bit of a positive spin on it. I, listen, these are the same leadership. These are the same county officials and city officials who have, on social media, in the actual media, have sat in front of uh, TV cameras and newspaper reporters and radio reporters and said, yeah, we hate these, we hate these guys. They're a bad partner. The A's, the Oakland A's organization is a bad partner. It's a bad franchise, which is what we've known. It's been run poorly. This is a chance for them to get back on track, and they might blow it again. So we'll see. We'll keep we'll keep our uh, ears to the ground. We'll make sure we let you know what what uh, goes on. Hey, 
It's uh, February 14th. All right, so Valentine's Day. We're getting all excited about it. I'm really excited because the next segment, we've got ourselves our own sports love moments. The moments that we fell in love with certain aspects of the sport world, with people inside the sports world, with actual, like you said, the the power four leagues. I have times when I fell in love with the NFL, when I fell in love with, when I had my heart ripped out by uh by one by a moment that happened in my youth I will tell you about it so we'll share all those our uh, miniature just kind of our love stories of times that we fell in love with sports that's all coming up JJ's got JJ's probably got some hilarious stuff written up about uh some love letters all right Moments that we fell in love with our sporting uh, idols. And... I'm going to disappoint people now. No, right? no, you no. You kind of set that up for disappointment. No, no, no. You are. No, I feel pressure. I got to be funny. When I'm funny, be hallmarky. You know what I mean? I can do that. Let's be gushy. Let's be lovey dovey. All right. I We're... love the 80s and 90s. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> We're going to, yes. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We've got more to go on JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Live. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. There's somebody in your life who needs to hear that. All right? I hope that that's the case. All right? I was at Harmon's today. Let me... Uh, and they have these heart-shaped um, plastic containers that have a clear top that normally are filled with uh, chocolate-covered strawberries, sure. things like that. They had strawberries cut up, and in the middle there was... Uh, you know, a dip you could you could uh, like a fruit dip or whatever you could enjoy. Great. And I saw some a little further, and I was like, "Oh, what's in these over here?" Same thing. It just looked like bigger strawberries from a distance. I get over there, it's two prime steaks and a lobster tail in that heart, and I was like, "Oh, lobster tail." Yes, a little surf and turf. Happy Valentine's Day. That's awesome. <sighs> surf and turf sounds good right now. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you right now. I don't know who – I mean, I don't know. I mean, that I know that they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, but, like, I enjoy cooking that stuff. I enjoy – like, I'll buy that and I'll cook it up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Have you gotten to the point, too, at your house? And you, you, have, you have four kids. I've got seven. Valentine's Day has turned Someone into – Someone just wrecked their car. I know. You, you got <laughs> how many? Ah. Uh, but it just is, it it turns into us kind of like getting the kids treats, having like a dinner with the kids. Yes, exactly. That's it. Valentine's Day when you have this many kids, you, you have yeah. to improvise. Like we're celebrating on Saturday, by the way. Oh, An are, executive decision was made. Are, the council got together <laughs> and decided that Saturday would be a better day. So you guys are like, hey, when the family gets together, we'll have our own Thanksgiving then. Okay. Exactly. And the we'll great our- thing about, you know. Being happily married for 
20 plus years is you can you. make executive decisions like that and you don't have to go with the flow. You can make your own Valentine's Day plans. But yes, yeah, I, I get you. And I think everybody listening that there's <laughs> like us that have four kids and all this other stuff, et cetera, they know what we're talking about. Sometimes yeah. you have to improvise. I and I think it sounds like I, mean, I think your wife and my wife kind of sound similar. Where it's like they're pra- they're pretty. My wife's pragmatic. Like yeah. she's just like, hey, yeah, like this doesn't make sense. Right. What, what are we gonna do on a Wednesday night? What are we gonna do? Pull out all the stops and be like, all right, we're gonna get a babysitter for all seven kids. Yeah. All right. We're gonna find ourselves at the Grand America having a a tea time. No, you're gonna you're gonna sit and wait for two hours to get a table. Yeah. Oh no no no. No, that, there's that part too. Sorry to the restaurant industry here. It's just Valentine's Day no. is kind of kind of tough. It will. It, it is. Uh, you got you got to think about it well in advance. And it's a work day. We've all been to school and work all day. It's just like you know. Is the Taco Bell drive-through going to be packed? You think <laughs> Taco Bell? Because <laughs> I'm getting uh, a couple party packs. That's kind of night it is for me. <laughs> Woo! Get ready, kids. This segment brought to you by Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I, 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 Kaysville got a Taco Bell, by the way. Kaysville got a Taco Bell. Just barely? Yeah, like not that. Like- Kaysville got a Taco Bell. <laughs> yes. It's 2024. I know. Kaysville got a Taco Bell. I'm telling you. And it when is. It, when it opened, was there a line down the street for it's, like days? It's not like the in and out in Boise. Was there that they 500 had- cars lined up? <laughs> yeah, that's a- right. Popeyes, I almost said something negative about In-N-Out. Taco Bell. I'll be careful. No, no, no. Taco I almost Bell- trashed McDonald's yesterday. Taco Bell is not the in and out. Uh, you know, type style of uh, of obsession that people have, but I will say, uh, people in people in uh, Kaysville got excited, including my kids. So there you go. That's great. They have heart shaped tacos. I don't know. I'm gonna see. Actually, you could probably put some of those hard those hard shell tacos. Probably form a, a heart of some kind. Here's the thing, Jeremy. Can you look into yeah, that? There's Let's a local pizza can... place. I'm not gonna say the name. We don't know what it is. They, <laughs> they make, make the heart. They make the heart shaped pizza. pizza. Guess what? It costs the same as the round pizza. And it's less pizza. You're getting less pizza. Well, I was going to say. <laughs> but we got to get the heart one because get the heart it's Valentine's one. Day. Don't, don't do that. All right. Get the regular pizza. Okay. All right. By the way, by way of announcement, you can nominate the sports volunteer that you know in your area for the Hercules Hero of the Week Award. We give these out every Thursday. Submit your nomination. And I'm telling you, we're taking all nominations. Anybody who does an amazing job in youth sports in your neighborhood, I don't care what it is, in your part of town, if it's a big city uh, municipal like sports director, great. If it's that team mom that does an amazing job every year with your uh, comp soccer team, whatever. I don't care who it is. If they are helping out in some way in the youth sports to make a difference, Hercules Credit Union wants to be able to make a difference with them. KSLSports.com slash contest. That's KSLSports.com slash contest. You can listen every Thursday, and we'll give away uh, a $50 gift card courtesy of Hercules Credit Union to that person that you nominate. We'll read the nomination. JJ will do it in his sexy TV voice, all right? That's a promise to you. From our house to yours. From our family to yours. There you go. Hey, uh, we got some Valentines we got to get to because there are moments – that JJ and I wanted to roll out. <laughs> this is the, uh, you know what's funny? This is Careless Whisper by Wham, <laughs> and I can play this on the saxophone. No way. Absolutely. Really? Yes. Now you're going to have to bring the saxophone in and play it, actually, it for us. Like, 
I have to get my fingers, you know, kind of really warmed up. But like junior high me learned this song, and uh, it still sticks in the old brain. So there you go. I didn't know you were. I didn't know you were bleeding gums, Murphy. Oh yeah. Good for you. May he rest. By the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tragic. So so here's the deal. I've got some of mine. I'm gonna go back. We'll go back and forth. JJ and I have picked moments, and you start to think about this. Moments where we fell in love with sports in that moment. Like we solidified our love or fell in love at that moment with a sports figure or a team or a sport. You want to start, JJ? Sure. I want to see what the standard is so I'll I can rip through this. I've so got I can try so to live up to it. Well, so you do. You, we'll kind of go back and forth here. We'll I fell in love with sports as a child. Yes. And so in my adulthood, it's become business. So I don't have the same feelings. So a lot of my love affair with sports has an 80s and 90s feel, even a 70s. I'm going to start with that. I was born in 1977. I don't remember the 70s, but man, do I love 70s sports. <laughs> Everything about 70s sports is great. You know what else is great? The Miracle on Ice. I think we both share that moment. <laughs> How about ABC's Wide World of Sports? Oh, yeah. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Absolutely. Frank Layden. I love Frank Layden. One of the great personalities in sports in the 80s. Adrian Dantley and Dr. Duncan Stein. Mark Eaton, Thurl Bailey, Ricky oh, Green. Yeah. And the team with heart. The first jazz team made the playoffs in 1984. I loved the Celtics versus Lakers. Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. I love Dr. J. How about the NFL today with Brent Musburger, oh. Irv Cross, and Jimmy the Greek? I love Carl Lewis. The 1985 Chicago Bears, Walter Payton. What is this? The Super Bowl Shuffle. <laughs> That's exactly right. Jim McMahon's headband. Mac Mahon? But my favorite team is the Denver Broncos. John Elway, the drive. Also, I had a chance to see Dr. J in person in his last game in the Salt Palace in 1987. So I have great memories of that, watching that with my dad and my brother, Pat Summerall and John Madden. You can't watch NFL without Pat Summerall and John Madden in the 80s and 90s. Vin Scully. George Brett and Pine Tar. Oh, yeah. NC State, 1983. That's when we fell in love with March Madness. Really, isn't that the first, like, March Madness moment? Of course, Danny Ainge against Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. In the Sweet 16 is, is falls in line with that. But that was really, like, the March Madness, the Cinderella, Villanova knocking off Georgetown in 1985. How about Kirk Gibson's walk-off? Oh, yeah. That's the one. Little, boom. Everybody does that Flutie's arm. Flutie's Hail Mary. Number 22? Miami. Number 22? Yeah. Wow. Uh, how about baseball cards? Still got them. I'm, I was obsessed with sports logos. Still the day I love sports logos. I don't know what it is. Starter jackets. <laughs> I had a Denver Broncos starter jacket. Uh, Dazzling dunks and basketball bloopers. Florence Griffith Joyner, Jackie Joyner Kersey, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson's punch out, Montana and Rice, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, John McEnroe, Bo Jackson, the Rocky movies, Ozzy Smith, the Bash Brothers, Nolan Ryan, Michael Jordan when he wasn't playing the jazz, the Dream Team, Inside Stuff, never missed it, every Saturday, Stockton and Malone, Jerry Sloan, Tecmo Super Bowl, oh yeah, NBA Jam, Starting Lineup Figures, Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders, Terrell Davis, Ken Griffey Jr., Steve Young, wow. Shaq and Penny, The New World Order, Hulk Hogan, Mr. <laughs> Mr. T. We had to start the song over for JJ's Love List. I'm not done, the Home Run Race, Tiger Woods, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, George Foreman and the George Foreman Grill, <laughs> Joe Carter's walk-off, 
And I'm going to throw Serena Williams in there, Absolutely. and that is my list. My my love letter to the 80s and 90s, that is why I love sports. Listen, mine's a little different, but that was phenomenal. You basically hit everything. You and I have very similar things that we have and moments that we watched that we – and that's what's great, right? Everybody watching the same moment at the same time and loving sports for that moment. All right. I fell in love with watching Michael Jordan when he hit that three over Craig Elo. Alox, Alox, Alox. He gives to Jordan. Jordan to the circle, puts the shot in the air. Good. The game's over, and the Bulls have won. Jordan beat him at the buzzer with a jump shot. Some people in Cleveland just call it the shot, like to the heart. Of course, we have our shot, John Stockton right. sending the Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals, which is also on my list. Ah, the Houston, the Houston Rockets fan in the room. Screw he also you, Jeremy. Remembers. Oh boy, <laughs> it's aggressive. Yes, it was. All right, hate the Rockets. I was living in the Dallas Fort Worth area when Nolan Ryan beat up a very aggressive Robin <laughs> Ventura who thought he could get the old man. What an idiot! Didn't do it. The Dream Team winning every game by fifty. Me collecting the McDonald's cups. Yes. That very same summer. And that by the end of the summer, they'd gone through the wa- the dishwasher so many times, everybody's face was pink. <laughs> everybody's face was a light yellow. <laughs> you couldn't even read the names on them anymore. It's like you left them out in the sun for five years. I know. Years. It's like, what happened? I don't What? McDonald's? Some low-quality They did not cups? last. The Bears Super Bowl shuffle winning team, yep. Super Bowl twenty. It's the first Super Bowl memory that I have. The first, okay. Refrigerator Perry. I remember John Riggins running all over the Dolphins. That's that was crazy. my first football memory. Super Bowl twenty. Yeah, that was my. What's wild is we have Super Bowl fifty-eight now. Gee, we are old. Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas. That was a heartbreaking moment. Oh, that was crazy. Because Big, it was like oh, greatest upset of all time in sports. Maybe bigger than the Miracle on Ice. Bigger than UMBC beating Virginia as a sixteenth seed. I don't know. Mike Piazza's home run to beat the Braves after 9-11. Mm, that's a good one. You know what was the deal was? Is I was kind of out of baseball. I was I was kind of done with it. Yeah. It was after the it was right in the middle of the steroid era. The home run race had happened. The home run race broke people. The right. 1994 lockout broke people. Right. They lost a lot of people yes. during that era. This brought the me steroids, back. Steroids, everything. Piazza hitting that home run over the Braves in the eighth inning that ended up being the winner. That like to see the crowd going nuts the way they did. New York needed that. Yeah. How about this? This is a weird. This is a deep one, but it it was a heart moment for me. I have a couple. I'll watch a lot of sports movies now. The ones that I used to watch with my dad, and I'll have teary moments. This one was a teary moment. Kevin Durant when he when he got the MVP crying when he was talking oh, to his yeah. mom. Yep. Oh, you the real MVP. You better you the real MVP. You better remember your mom today, everybody. Don't forget mom. Tell her you love her. Now, not a real moment in sports, but one that I, again, it might be the best fictional falling in love with sports moment. When Ollie on Hoosiers makes the free throws that send Hickory to the state championship. <laughs> We're all Ollie in some way, aren't yeah. we? Shooting the under. That movie was so good, we thought it was real. <laughs> Shooting the, we thought Gene Hackman was a, was a, was an abusive coach in real life. Isn't he, in the, not, isn't he in the college football basketball <laughs> college hall of fame? Basketball. At least in, in the high school. Isn't, isn't Gene Hackman in the Naismith Hall of Fame? He has to be. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I want to get one of those silky. Who talks about Mike Krzyzewski and no. Bobby Knight? I want to get one of those silky Bill hickory Self. jerseys. What, what, where's Gene Hackman? No, he's. That love, that love story between he and Barbara Hershey may be the worst in sports history.
That was gross, but the rest <laughs> of the movie was great. Super weird. All right. I think they had to cut out a little romantic, sexy scene between the two, too, just to make it PG. It was NC-17 before that. <laughs> Remind me not to watch the director's cut of Hoosiers. I had hey, no idea. You know what? Remember NC-17? There was a gratuitous sex scene in Hoosiers? I didn't remember, know that. Do you remember the word? Do you remember the, the rating NC-17? It doesn't exist anymore, but kids, don't watch those movies, all right? All right, we'll uh, take the break here, Jeremy. He's <laughs> wow. all sorts of upset about I'm it. I'm shook. Uh, we're going to come back. we got a Would You Rather around the corner. <laughs> well, Stay it was us. made in the 80s, right? 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Churning. As JJ and Alex ask, Would You Rather? All right, welcome back, everybody. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Coming up in about uh, 10 minutes here, we're going to be chatting with David Locke. Top of the 4 o'clock hour in uh, the voice of the Utah Jazz tonight. It's a game day for the Jazz. They're taking on checks notes, as if I needed to check notes. This is the Lakers suck yesterday. They suck again today. (laughs) Uh, The Lakers of Los Angeles coming into Salt Lake City. Guess who's not here? No, Bron? No LeBron James tonight. Shocker, sitting out. Let's trip to it. Salt Lake. Dang it. Hey. Dang it to all those who bought tickets to watch LeBron. I'm sorry. Don't know what to tell you. Salt Lake City and and uh, Denver are the two cities that are missed the most by players who miss games. Not a shocker. But the game before the All-Star game for the Lakers, or do they, do they have another one? They do not. Game before the All-Star game for the Lakers, LeBron is absent. Shocker. Well, we get this one tonight with the Lakers. We get another one tomorrow night with the Warriors. Try to get a uh, second shot at them. They're probably licking their chops going, we love this new lineup (laughs) of the Utah Jazz. All right, would you rather play a former conference mate in a bowl game or a brand new team? We're talking about the bowl situation. Brand new. Easy. Why? New experience. So last year... Uh, when the uh, bowl projections were being bounced around for a bit, there was a possibility that Utah could land in a bowl where they would play Clemson. I was like, they've never played Clemson before. That would be kind of fun, right? Yeah, and I mean, but there is... That's more appealing than than Utah playing Arizona in a bowl game. Uh, Former conference mates, you mean? Yeah. They're now current conference mates again. Right, but you know what I mean. Like, what yeah. like, you want to you want to watch Utah play UCLA in a bowl game? I want to go back to the WAC. Why? Want to see Utah playing Wyoming? Why do I want to see Utah UCLA in a bowl game? Oh yeah, they are playing Wyoming, but again, but repeat it in the bowl game. That's what I want. I saw BYU. Remember BYU Wyoming played in a bowl game down yes. in San Diego, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Josh Allen was the Wyoming quarterback yeah. in that, that game. That was the rainiest Jamal game I've, it was, I've ever seen. That was the coldest I've ever been covering a bowl game. Wow, and it's in San Diego. In San Diego, it was brutal. It was raining and cold, and I couldn't get warm for like right, an hour after the game. Do you remember too the rain coming off of the overhang on yeah. the stadium? They couldn't control it, yeah. and people were sitting right below it. I mean, it was just it was like it, you had it a was fire a hose. Swamp. It was awful. It's terrible. The old, you know. Jack Murphy Stadium, oh, they, Qualcomm, I think it yeah, was yeah. called at the time. Oh, I, what a dump. But that was a miserable experience. But uh, BYU-Wyoming, even though they were old, there's a lot of history there, old conference mates, just kind of like, eh, eh, we've seen this before. So I believe 
that the bowls are great because it's an opportunity for a team to play another team around the country that they never get to play. It pairs teams together that would rarely play each other. That's fun to me. Utah's been paired with Northwestern, though, twice now. I'm over that one. <laughs> I'm over that one. I want to see Utah, Indiana. Come on. We haven't seen the Hoosiers on the on the, on the gridiron. Once, don't want to see it again. <laughs> but you you have the possibility of, like, your Utahs and Penn States. Yeah, it was, wasn't that incredible? If you're a Utah fan watching Utah play Ohio State in the yeah. Rose Bowl, yeah. uh, if you're a BYU fan, um, think about some of the bowl matchups they've had, like BYU and Oklahoma. In the old Copper Bowl, was it, in 1994? Yeah. Oklahoma in 1994, that was a big deal. That matchup rarely happens. It happened once in the Big 12, and now they're gone. So you don't get those opportunities to play those kind of teams that often, except in bowl games. Although, how I feel about bowl games, that's a different uh, would-you-rather. We'll just save saying, that for another We're just day. saying with the lot we've been dealt, this yes. is how we can deal with it. Don't play the same. I don't want to see the same things over and over again. That's what conference play is for. And if I've already saw it in the past, I don't care. I want to see something new. Yeah, but if if UCLA and USC have the chance to play each other again in a bowl game after a, a year, rivalry game, it's a little different. Yeah. BYU and Utah in the Las Vegas Bowl was different. Washington, Oregon for a second time, although that won't happen because they're going to be in the same conference still. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to chat with David Locke uh, on the way back here. You don't want to miss uh, his comments. Getting. Kind of the, uh, this will be the first time we get thoughts after the yeah, post the post trade deadline jazz. We had the pre conversation with him last week. Now we can talk about where the team is at right now. Uh, very different team. Obviously, it's going to change after the trade deadline when you lose a couple of uh, of names that you were used to seeing around here. So, LeBron out for this one, and we'll talk a little bit about the All Star break. And uh, Locke will join us next right here, ninety seven five EKSL Sports Zone. It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen, thanks for being with us on the program. Our show is always brought to you by G2G Bars. All natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar, perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, nutritious boost. Voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, joining us on the program. A little bit, a little bit earlier than usual because there is a game today, and he is going to be calling that basketball game. Locke, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I was a little bummed, no LeBron. I know. Yeah. Second time this year. Yeah. It's like clockwork, though. We were talking about it yesterday, and J.J., because he's a pessimist, goes, all right, Lakers come to town. It's the game before the All-Star weekend. Is LeBron going to be here? And we were like, oh, no. He has so many he has so many outs to be able to do. And re- and when you left us, I think, last week or maybe two weeks ago, you threw out that nugget before you went off the air. I was like, look, if guys miss games, the most missed cities of missed games for players are Utah and Denver. And that's a freaking bummer for us. Yes. I think it's something like 40% of NBA All-Star caliber missed games are in Utah. Oh. That's a heartbreaker. It's <laughs> for too fans. many. Oh, it's too many. 
for sure. Well, but it is what it is. These players, uh, obviously, they go through quite quite a rigor during the season, and, and LeBron especially, who's trying to take care of his body long term. So I'll give him a pass because he's uh, – He's old in basketball years, but Lakers come to town. Give us an idea of what this team before last week when we talked to you, it was Wednesday. It was right before the trade deadline post trade deadline. What are your thoughts now? I mean, I think what kind of the genius that Will Hardy's had with this team as a coach and staff has had is being able to reform the group of multiple of times, but it's, it's always taken a little bit like it obviously super quickly last year. They were able to form a group, and then this year it took a little while, and then he was able to figure out the group, and and now he's got to do the same thing because this one's different, right? Like, you know, two different pieces, and they complement each other differently, and and we're at different stage. You know, third twenty eight games left. It's, it's kind of time for Keontae to start. Like he's, you know, likelihood Keontae George is your starting point guard next year on this basketball team, so he needs twenty eight games to do that. And, you know, Walker Kessler's probably the starting center moving forward on this basketball team. Or at least you need to know to what level he is. And so, you know, he needs to do that. And so I, I think when you see where this team is right now, these are that's a lot of what's going on right now. And so it's a reformation of, of this team, and Will's done that very well. It just doesn't – it's not not easy. Yeah, it can't be easy to, you know, you got <laughs> – you you got to get these young guys minutes, but it's at the expense of some of the veteran players. That's a delicate dance for a head coach. How does he manage that? Well, he hasn't in the sense that you had to earn your minutes. He doesn't believe in free minutes. Like yeah. that's a, Will, Will has two things that drive him. You can't be numb to losing, and you don't get free minutes. But if you look at Keontae, on December 13th when he got hurt, went out a lot of he ranked 99th out of 100 players in pick and roll efficiency. Since he came back December 26th, he ranked 17th. He's been good. Yeah. Like, it's time. Like, I was a little nervous in December 13th that we had put him in starting a lot too early, too fast, and, and it was heading in the wrong direction. And, you know, the analogy I always use is the over-dipped Oreo cookie. And I was concerned. But if you look at what he's done and dig into his numbers and how he's evolved and how he's learned, and, and maybe most impressively, Keontae went through a five-game stretch where he shot like 20. Go look at his basketball reference game log, he shot like 22% for like a five-game stretch, and his answer coming out was to shoot more and and to be more aggressive. Like, oh, I've seen what I need to see. Let's go. It's time for him, it's time for him to be guarded by D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry and those guys and to, and to have that experience for the last 28 games of the season. I am really fascinated by just that puzzle that has to get figured out, you know, this time of year. And, as, you know, you're kind of mentioning, I mean, it's not like Will Hardy's going to have, you know, the automatic, like, oh, I know exactly what we're going to do. If this person, this person leaves, it's like, hey, you take what you get, you get guys, and you tell them that they've got to earn their minutes. You tell them that, they're, that you want them to grow up, which is kind of essentially what you've gotten from Will Hardy, which is like, hey, I want these guys to, to be professionals. I want them to grow up. With Taylor Hendricks getting into the lineup, and you talked about this, it's like if he gets if he gets in now versus next October or this October, there's obviously a benefit to that. What is he going to add to this team ultimately? When he's getting 20 minutes a night, you might be nervous about how much losing that could happen, but I think that you should also be pretty excited about his development. So how has it been so far just after a couple of games? You know, I, I think it's been at times super rough, frankly. Yeah. Like – I think it's I think it's been 
at times brilliant, at times super rough. Like I think that he um, he's shown some signs. Um, I think he's shown a flash or two. And at the same time, like Jordan Clarkson ran a curl on an off-ball screen on the right side of the floor, and Taylor Hendricks mysteriously ran a curl without the basketball on the left side of the screen and brought his man right into Jordan Clarkson on the drive. And you were like, oh, you're 19. Oh, yeah, you've never done this before. <laughs> and, they're gonna, and the, you know, and, and like the, the Kevin Durant dunking on him and him blocking Kevin Durant are the, are the really, really big moments that um, I think, you know, uh, get the highlights. But they're not actually probably the important moments. The important moments are hard cuts, transition defense, understanding team defense, understanding offensive spacing. I mean, really boring stuff. But they're the stuff that make you a viable player in the NBA at that speed. And right now what's most important for Taylor probably is the time he's spending with Jazz assistant coach Chris Jones, who's just an absolute stud and marvel of a coach. And – watching film and saying like, well, wait, why did you run a curl when the ball didn't come to you on that play? What did, Oh, well, I thought the play calls us. Okay. Well, here's the, you know, or, well, I thought, Oh, okay. Well, you can't because you just brought your guy right into Jordan. Like that's not how spacing works. Like these are the things that are so awesome for him to now, it was important for him to play 30 minutes a night in the G league. It was important for him to play hard every night. It was important for him to understand that. I think he was there if we're perfectly honest, probably a week or two longer than he needed to be. Like he got out of it. He got what he needed out of it. And now it's time for him to like have these experiences. And, you know, it's important also for him to start having some flashes of success because I'll go back to another one. There's no free minutes. And it's, you know, if for 10 games, Taylor plays like he did for the first two, I don't know that he gets to play the 13th. At some point, that becomes three minutes, but I don't think that's what we'll see. I think we'll see Taylor look a little better at some of these things each and every night. Because of the current roster situation, it doesn't look likely that the Jazz will make the playoffs, even the play-in. And then you get into the conversation about the first-round pick. It's top 10 protected in 2024. If it's if they If they finish better than 10th to the bottom in the league, then it conveys to the Thunder. We all know the situation with that pick. But I wanted to get your take on whether you think it's good to convey that pick this year, or if the Jazz would be it would be beneficial at this point for them to keep it. How do you stand on that? I get the concept that you're better off conveying it because then your your books are clear. But actually, I think you're better off taking it mm. because well, two things. One is sure you could lose it next year and we'd like to be better and then you do lose it next year but on the other end you also don't know right like you're one sprained ankle from one player we don't need to get specific and jinx anyone from you know us suddenly being not very good last next year right like it's not a right like we're, we're not the deepest team in the world as of we're constructed right now so that if you know if certain players get hurt at some point in time, we're, we're going to have a hard time winning games. Um, now, who knows what our roster will be a year from now. But I, I I would be on the side of, like, I get the argument, like, clear our books. To the, I'd be on the side of, like, if I had my choice, I'll take the pick. And then 
hopefully I get way better and I give up the 22nd pick next year. Mm. But I also wouldn't mind, like, if something goes wrong next year, then I, oh, I get the pick again. And then I do think, unfortunately, there's a third year involved after that. So, it's a, you know, it's obviously a little tricky. David Locke, voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us, uh, getting I, ready you know, for – Let me, add, let me yeah. add one thing on that. Let me hear I, I really don't think the pick was dictating moves. And so I know enough – got to be a little careful here. I know I have enough people I talked to in the league. I, I, I know enough of what was floating out there in the league and what possibilities were there and what conversations with the Jazz were in. They were in plenty of conversations about improving the team as well. And I thought Justin Hannon was super honest when he said it was it's not a binary situation. We're not either trading for assets only. I mean, there were plenty of deals. I, I don't want to get into them. And none of those players ended up moving. Like, those players didn't move uh, in, in the most recent days. So then they, those players weren't actually as available as BD or other people may have seen. And so, therefore, it's like, you know, I mean, like, like of the players that moved, like, did we want Gordon Hayward? Like, was T.J. Washington? Mm. Like, we had T.J. Washington. Do you think we win any more games? No. <laughs> like, so, I, I mean, like, if we had an OG and an OB out of Toronto, maybe pretty similar to Lowry. He's got like nice player, good defense player. I like him. You know, I don't know that we could have Toronto wanted players, so they've got RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly. Like, I don't think we had that package, right? We didn't have a top five pick in RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly was a rising point guard. Like, we weren't trading Keontae George and like Lowry Marketing for. OG and OB. So we didn't have a package to match that. Like that's what makes it difficult. So I but I so the pick is interesting, but I, I really don't think the pick has dictated any moves from the knowledge I have from around the league, the Jazz are involved in a lot of conversations about players that would make them better. It just didn't happen. And it's not because they didn't want it to happen and they were trying to save the pick, it's because it takes two to tango, it takes the, the market's gotta play out. The market just didn't play out that way. You know. I mean, look at the five best players that were moved. They were Pascal Siakam, free agent at the end of the year. You're probably not giving up much. Still not sure how he fits. Indiana has been noticeably different. OG Ananobi. And then, like, who was the best player traded in the trade deadline stuff? Like, is it P.J. Washington? Terry Rozier? Like at the like, actual, we like, at, like at the actual deadline, you mean? Like th- that's the thing. Yeah, is, like, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, those are all the guys that have been. I mean, other than James Harden. Like, hey, I said it when it happened. Do you want to make the freaking playoffs trade for James Harden? Yeah. And they look. And they like, look. Rough. Like if was, I don't want James Harden. No, you want to make the playoffs trade for James Harden? Mm. We would have made the playoffs if we traded for James Harden. I promise. He would have loved awesome. it here. Yeah, he would have loved it here too. Uh, we got that you got that uh you got that slc to st george shuttle it's going to vegas now we so get in there as soon as possible yeah. whatever you needed come on uh lock when somebody says and again i'm not asking you to be a draft expert because you're an nba expert that i don't want to add another thing to your plate but when you hear somebody say yeah but this draft class is not very good is there such a thing can, like, I, can I tell you a funny story yes. you know how i got the business yeah. In 1993, maybe now 92, probably, maybe 93, that's good. Like, well, I wrote an NBA draft book. 
mm. and advertised it in the sporting news wow. and sold copies of it. <laughs> that was the first thing I ever did in the business. Okay, so, so Locke, as a draft well, expert. Uh... <laughs> yeah, someone found it the other day. Um, that is amazing. I don't believe in the classifications of good and bad drafts. What Be- this draft does not seem to have is a top-heavy top-heavy group. Doesn't have doesn't have big But like, all we heard about, let's just use some really recent examples, okay? The greatest draft ever. Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid, Aaron Gordon, Dante Axel. Really? Yeah. Nope. Not buying it. Or right? when, some, or like, when somebody like, says, ah, the 2015 lottery class was terrible, or the 2015 draft, and then you go, well, yeah, but uh, Giannis went in that draft. Uh, right? Giannis, Rudy, and Giannis and Rudy went in that Giannis draft. Giannis and Rudy went in that same draft. But people say, yeah, but that was a bad draft class. Well, yeah, because you didn't know who Giannis was. Right. And, th- and that's the that's okay. part where we lean on Danny and go, he knows who the next fill-in-the-blank player is going to be that's in the draft, not me, not the guy who says that uh, there's not a star player coming out of North Carolina or out of Duke, uh, you know, or out of Houston. So that that's the part where I hear that and they go, yeah, it's a bad draft class. I'm like, well, then you probably have a bad GM if you can't get a bad – if you can't get a good draft class. Like, here, here's the other one on this. At this point last year, what were we talking about? Yeah, the next Victor draft. And scoop. Like Victor and Scoop. Yeah, Greatest draft it. ever. Victor and Scoop. Sure. Do, do, tell me why I look at Scoop's numbers. Right, and at some point, uh, it started to it started to shift, you know. Then you start to see, but I mean, like we, you're right. We hadn't we hadn't had so much energy around a, around a draft that I could remember in a lot in a long, long time. Everybody loved last year's draft. Said it was totally incredible. But the deepest draft. Oh, I didn't like it. There were no guys who can shoot. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm on and Alshore Thompson are incredible athletes. They have an impact on the floor. If you can't shoot this league, you can't play. Yeah. Unless you're seven feet tall. And then it's still hard to play you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's, like it's, that's pretty in the playoffs. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. If I'm looking to, if I'm looking at the draft again, I mean I the Jazz got one of the best players in the draft at sixteen. I think if you redrafted Keontae George's top five, maybe top three. Right. I mean, Based Bilal on performance Kulabal, this year. But look, Kulabal Washington has been a surprisingly good shooter, which we didn't expect. Yeah. Therese Walker's made some shots for Indiana, but not played a lot. Like, Jaime we'll Hawkins has been great. Huh? Jaime Hawkins has been great. Didn't see that coming. Well, the interesting thing is all the old kids have been great. Yeah. Jaime Hawkins, Majemski, uh, Marcus Sasser, like one of the best pick and roll guards in the NBA, out of Houston, five-year player. The old kids have all been great. Now let's, let's see over time whether that holds. Yeah. It's not surprising. You know, these 19-year-olds out of COVID, I mean, this is a, there's still COVID impact in some of the drafts, some of the things. So I just, so the answer your question is, I think that, yes, it draft is not particularly top-heavy. Right. But is it a bad draft? Like, I have a hard time believing that the 18th pick is still, like, got no... It's <laughs> like the 18th pick, like... I don't know who the 18th pick was. It's probably Jalen Shapino. I had it in front of me. It looked like a very good pick right now for the Lakers. Right. I was thinking, like, I was. I had a little but, moment. I had a little moment where I went down the rabbit eight, hole. 18 in the last draft was Jaime Hawkins Jr. There you go. The but see, that, I uh, went. But that I, turned out to be a really good pick. Yeah. I went but, down a weird, but, I went down and, a weird hole. Remember how everybody was obsessed with Grady Dick? Same thing where you go, oh, right. he's going to be. It, it doesn't fill in the blank, and he's going to develop. He could be a really good shooter at some point. But, you know. 
It's just uh, it, it's one of these things where you, we can't really say it's a bad draft until what five years down the line. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe right, three. I, but let's let, let's say Jamie Hockey Jr. It's a great example. Okay, for those who don't know, he's starting for Miami. He's probably the third best rookie ahead of Keontae, frankly. Yeah. In the Brandon Miller and Victor Webinyama. He's a he's a great one to talk about. You're really telling me that there's not a Jaime Hawkins available in this upcoming draft? The draft's so bad that there's not a Jaime Hawkins? There's actually not a thing special about Jaime Hawkins coming out of the draft in anyone's mind. You're telling me that guy's not available somewhere? He's not playing for Kansas, UCLA, USC, Oklahoma, Kansas State? He's not out there somewhere? Yeah, Danny will find him. There. Don't you feel like Danny will find those guys too? He sees more guys. Him and him well, and with, just with basically more people three than. chances in the top what thirty two or thirty three. They're going to hit somebody. Yeah. Well, right. it's pretty wild. Uh, Locke, your thoughts on tonight's game? Though, let's go right to tonight's game real quick before we get before we we, uh, we let you two, cut you loose here. Two, two things to watch for in tonight's game. One, the amount of transition opportunities the Jazz allow. They allow the most transition opportunities of anyone in the league at 20%. The Lakers won second most of any team in the NBA, and that's both with and without LeBron. They run about the same rate. Number two, how does Anthony Davis get his baskets? No one talks enough about this in the NBA, and that is how do you score 25 a night? The way Anthony Davis scores 25 a night is he usually hits about six or seven free throws. Then he gets about two offensive rebound footbacks. We're now at 10. He gets two transition baskets. We're now at 14. And then he scores another four or five buckets a night around the rim, around the basket, the natural flow of the game, and now he's at 24 points. Can you keep him off the offensive glass? And can you keep him out of transition? Then you've got a chance. That's what the Jazz did last time. He did not get bunch of stuff off offensive rebounds. He did not get stuff. He's not a good jump shooter. He shoots about 36% on jump shots. He was 5 of 21, I think, against us last time. He was 1 of maybe 5 18. He was 1 of 8 outside 6 feet. If you can keep Anthony Davis in that realm of the game, you have a chance. But when Anthony Davis starts getting three offensive rebound putbacks and eight free throws and three transition buckets, all of a sudden he's got 20 before he gets a half-court point. I'll be watching. Now, now I know. Now I know something to watch tonight because initially it was just watch to see if LeBron's going to be playing or not. But now here we are. I, JJ at the beginning of the week was very aggressive about how hey the Jazz. I bet they come out fired up from Phoenix. They had an okay game against the Suns. A really good Suns team, by the way. Like a scary a, a team then in the Suns that could be really scary at some point. But um, we thought they'd probably show up on Monday and have some things uh, ready to go. But that. The Warriors, who are coming back again tomorrow night, are are another team that are on on fire right now in the West, and so it's a, another couple games here that are gut checks, and at the very least, uh, probably uh, really good temperature takers for uh, for Will Hardy and company. So we're looking forward to it. Lock- I think we're gonna look we'll look remarkably better in our first six games after the All Star break than we do in our last four games before the All Star break, and it'll have nothing to do with us. Okay, all right. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Looking at the schedule after the All Star break right Oof. now, and you are absolutely right. <laughs> Locke, we appreciate it, man. Have a good, have a good uh, have a good call, and uh, wish your uh, Valentine Ron Boone uh, a happy Valentine's Day. Booner, the best. I, I did. You know, I forgot. I forgot to bring Ron Boone a Valentine. Oh. Uh. 
that's who you're on a date with tonight. Every it feels like every every February 14th, you guys are together calling a game. So, quite honestly, considering the amount of time I spent with Ron Boone, considering the last time I saw my wife, he should be my Valentine. I know, but that's a different issue. There you go. All right, Locke, we appreciate it, man. We'll be listening. There you go, David Locke. I get I, every time I, I get a more optimistic view of as to how the Jazz are are doing here. And what they're doing, what I never, what I never falter in is my belief that Will Hardy is really going to be able to figure these guys out. It just isn't right now, right? And it doesn't need to be. It doesn't have to be right now, right? It doesn't need to be. Uh, there's challenges that he's being tossed that a lot of coaches don't have to deal with, and the Jazz knew that going in. That's why he has a five-year deal. And I continue to be impressed with the way Will Hardy manages all the things thrown his way. And as a young head coach who has job security. It gives him an opportunity to experience a lot of things quickly and accelerate his development as a head coach because this isn't just about developing young talent or developing a roster or culture. You have a head coach that's developing. You have assistant coaches that are developing. This whole thing is a development project. And so, yes, I, I think I, I'm amazed at what Will Hardy's been able to handle that's tossed his way. He's not getting everything right, and that's okay. He would He would be willing to admit that. And it's good because he's going to learn from it. And by the time this team does have the horses to go compete, he'll be a seasoned veteran head coach because of all the things he's had to deal with over the last two years. And counting. All right. I've got myself uh, I got my positive hat on. I got my... I mean, uh, yeah, we look. I mean, we all know the situation. So, I mean, does anyone not know the situation yet? I mean, Locks, come on and explain it to us. We talk about it. This is a know. long-term deal. Sometimes I wonder if you do. You gave me three and L hopes last week, and well, now I you're thought, all zero nah, three. I thought <laughs> I am an idiot. It moved to zero three today. Look, I didn't say they were going to go three and zero. I said they need to go three and zero. There's a big oh. difference. I think the word gonna you're was in there. You're misrepresenting my. Hold on. I think the word gonna. Like you keep was telling all our guests, these jazz guests comes on that I'm <laughs> like I thought the Jazz were gonna go on this incredible run after the trade deadline. JJ thought they were gonna be the four seed That's by the not end of what the I said. <laughs> there goes the Brian Regan boys. I didn't say hey, that. I said they need on? to go three and zero if they want to make the play in because they're mm-hmm. playing two teams they're battling with for a play in spot. But I think it's pretty clear at this point that the play in's not the not the goal at this mm. point. And I think that's why I asked David Locke about the pick. Do you want to keep that pick now? Because right now I'm looking at it it's like we've been talking all year. Oh, that's great. They're gonna go. They're gonna go to play in. Maybe they sneak in as the eight, and they're gonna convey that pick, and they don't have to worry about it anymore. Now with the trade deadline deals and with what they did with with where they're at right now, I'm like, don't give that pick away. Keep it. And now it takes. <laughs> the analytics tell us to keep the pick. The analytics in a wide open draft. Don't lie. You could have two first round and an early second round pick in a draft where a lot of teams might want to get out of the first round because they have cap problems. Or they believe that this is, quote unquote, a bad draft. if you identify that player, like Miami did Jaime Jaquez Jr., give Miami credit, they had one shot and they nailed it last year. If you identify that player, then you have the ability to go get him, and that's a player that helps you long term. Don't convey the pick at this point. Keep it, which means you got to lose. And that's baked in. You're going to give minutes to the to a 19-year-old rookie? The loss deals are probably baked in. That's what you put on you one of those. You don't have to uh, try to lose, but you're not going to be as good as the teams you're playing. That's what you put Although on. Locke says the schedule's going to, I mean, the oh, yeah, post-All-Star. It's going to loosen up a little bit, yeah. Can't wait to play Charlotte coming out of the All-Star Ooh. break. That's a team trying to win. What a mess. So, look, 
Would you rather be the Utah Jazz in their current situation or, or the, the Charlotte Hornets? Hornets, who have no hope? <laughs> you're, you'll gladly take the Jazz situation right now, but with the, with taking the Jazz situation requires patience, toughness, <laughs> sacrifice, and, and passion, and patience, and, and, and occasional uh, masterpieces of you know what you got to do it too. <laughs> Please no, I don't want a fifty point loss. That was a masterpiece team. of dog. Shit. Remember how we we're like they turned around and they will never turn back. We may see some of those games. All right. Uh, that's what you put on a Valentine, by the way. Will you convey my pick? <laughs> Things I convey on- my love to you. <laughs> that's, that's, it conveys not a romantic word. Is I it? hate it. I hate it. Uh, it's not. It's, it's about as romantic as analytics. When you, conveyed, when you conveyed my pick, I knew that we were supposed to be together. Right? Strategery. <laughs> that's what we're using. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. Appreciate Locke coming on, giving us uh, some thoughts as to how this thing's going to roll out. Uh, Coming up, we've got some things to still roll through here. I've got – now, this one I'm excited for. We might have to spend some extra, extra time on this one. Brett McMurphy, he came on our show yesterday, and what did he tell us? He released his first playoff – he was going to release his first playoff bracket. He gave us a tease before everybody else got it today on the Action Network. He gave it to us. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you the first playoff bracket. It may or may not include the University of Utah, plus other bowl matchups, or in BYU's case, non-matchups. Uh-oh. little tease there. Ooh. We've got more to go around the corner. I didn't say that. I'm saying Brett Murphy, Brett McMurphy said that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that feels weird. Oh. <laughs> we'll come back. we got more 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. For the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on The Zone. This is JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. In my bold projections tomorrow, spoiler alert... The Big 12 champ, I have them ranked, excuse me, seeded fourth in my college football playoff vote projections. And that Big 12 champ that I have seeded fourth is none other than your Utah Utes. I love Arizona, but, you know, you lose dead fish, they're going to lose some players. That was Brett McMurphy not 24 hours ago. Boy, he really loved that. It's none, of, it's none other than your, and then he was like this on the other side of the phone line, like doing the drum roll with the his hands. The only thing was missing was a drum roll. Yeah. Uh, so he said it. Where he's going to come out with his projections today. He in fact did. Brett McMurphy, the Action Network, came on our show last, uh, yeah, yesterday. So if you want to go back and listen to that interview, he actually did a phenomenal job breaking down kind of everything going on with the world of. He he lives in a in college football. He's got it under his thumb, but he also. Like bowls and projections for Brett McMurphy, he's very, very good at that. Oh, very good. Yeah, he's made a living out of it. Phenomenal. He has his first bowl projections, and it's not way too early. It's it, What did he call it? The never too early. He called it the never too early. It's never too early. He's right. Bowl projections. All right? So let me give you your first 12-team college football playoff through the eyes of Brett McMurphy. He studies this for a living. Here's your first round on one side of the uh, bracket over here. Your now these are the games that are 
non-bye weeks, right? They're the first rounds. They're played at uh, at the at the higher seeds home. And the five through twelve yes. uh, teams playing each other, which I love. Yes, it has that March Madness feel, of, like five. the five twelve upset. Oh yeah, the five twelve game is going to be played at Royal K Stadium in Austin, Texas, for the Longhorns versus the twelfth seeded Boise State Broncos. Oh, Utah State fans don't want to hear that. <laughs> On the same side of the bracket, you have the, the Aggies eight. will do everything I they know. can to prevent that from happening. And you know what? We wish them Godspeed. We wish them Godspeed. 8-9 matchup on that same side of the bracket. On the same side of the bracket. (laughs) How about this? Penn State, the number nine seed, will have to travel to Columbia, Missouri (laughs) for the big old matchup against the eighth-seeded Mizzou Tigers. I wonder if Missouri's going to be able to... Repeat what they did last year? Yeah, that's something their program struggled to do. Uh, Chase Daniels did something very similar, right? And last year they had a magical season as well. Yeah. They've had moments. But on the other side. Consistently, no. No. On the other side of the bracket, the 11th-seeded Michigan Wolverines, how the mighty have fallen, taking on the number six Oregon Ducks. Do Michigan and Oregon play each other in the regular season next year? No, Michigan and Washington do. I don't know that Michigan and Oregon do. Well, that's a, that's a fantastic matchup, by the way. And it's crazy Michigan, that Michigan and Oregon are now in the same conference. Right. And Michigan... I can't wrap my brain around the fact that Michigan and Oregon are in the same conference. Michigan would have to travel to the sixth-seeded Oregon Ducks. Imagine a Michigan-Oregon game in the first round of the college football playoff at Autzen, at Autzen Stadium. They don't play each other? Perfect. Michigan traveling to Autzen Stadium for that 11 versus Love six it. seed. I'm watching that. Alabama, according to Brett McMurphy, is going to be your 10-seed what? Roll down tide. Oh, they don't. Oh, I'm just getting this note. Nick Saban's no longer the head coach of uh, Alabama. JJ? What? Well, do you think I care? <laughs> <laughs> Some stuff has changed since the end of the year. Yeah, is Kalen DeBoer going to. That's a big mystery. Jalen Milrow is back. He's got the quarterback. Hey, He's there returning. You go. But Alabama should have lost to Auburn, so I don't know what to think. Yeah. Alabama, number 10 seed in this bracket versus, boy, and this is just a fun one. Heading to South Bend, Indiana for the Notre Dame-Alabama matchup in the first round. The first round of the college football playoff. This is why this new college football playoff format is amazing. It's awesome. You're going to have Alabama at South Bend. Going to Notre Dame. Think about that. Who's not watching this? This is so much better than anything we've had in college football previously. This is going to be Amazing. Now, we're trying to figure out how they're going to do the semifinal games. The semifinal games are bowl games, and they are as follows. The 4-5 game, which would be fifth-seeded Texas in the Fiesta Bowl against the home team fourth-seeded Utah Utes. There you go. They got the wow. fourth seed as the Big 12 champions. That's where he's got them at. We had people on Twitter saying I was an idiot because that's impossible. There's no way they would be... There's no way. What do you mean? Oh, that Utah just could ever be the four seed. The four seed. Well, if the, as Brett McMurphy explained yesterday, the way it's going to work. Noted Utah homer Brett McMurphy, you should say. Right. Oh uh, yeah. And by the way, <laughs> what it says. the win- conference championship winners are being rewarded in this playoff situation. So the top four rated conference winners will be selected first and auto. then they're auto in they're auto in in the top four and then everybody else is selected after that 
So Utah would be hosting Texas, but at the Fiesta Bowl. The home team would technically be uh, So, Utah. yeah, that would be taking place in uh, Glendale. Awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You fans travel, by the way, down to Glendale. Well, so do Texas fans. That would That's be what I'm saying. burnt orange, unbelievable. And burnt orange and crimson red. Sign me up. I'll take it. The eighth-seeded Missouri Tigers in the Sugar Bowl taking on the Georgia Bulldogs, who are the number one seed according to Brett McMurphy on that side of the of the bracket. On the other side, the other semifinal, sixth-ranked Oregon versus number three-ranked Florida State. Did he just give Florida State like a little? Uh, Little nod, make Threw them feel better. Yeah, trying to, trying to smooth things over after last year. I mean, no, they may they may earn it. We'll there see. you go. Oregon, they're the best ACC team. There's no question. Hold Maybe on, Clemson sneaks in there, but they're playing. So it would be Oregon and the third seeded Florida State Seminoles in the Peach Bowl. Didn't Florida State play Georgia in the Peach Bowl? How'd they that did. go? Uh, not great, Bob. Well, <laughs> but I will say this month this it'll probably be a lot different uh, Florida State team in that Peach Bowl uh, than Notre Dame. He has beating Alabama. By the way, he has guesses on who's going to beat whom. That's why this is great. Notre Dame coming out of that matchup with Alabama, playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Phenomenal. Rematch of last year's thriller. Am I wrong? This is phenomenal? I'm watching every one of these games. Okay. The granddaddy. Yeah, man. It's, it's alive and well. Now, sorry, those were the quarterfinals. The semifinal matchups also have their own bowl games assigned to them. Oregon, who he has beating Florida State, sorry Seminoles, he has playing the Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl at Jerry World. Now here's the part where you're going to get grumpy, Utah fans. He has number five Texas beating Utah in the Fiesta Bowl. You stink and I don't like you! Settle down. It's Brett McMurphy. Hey, just at him on Twitter, would you? Number one, Georgia, facing off against Texas in the Orange Bowl. And then he has the final matchup of the national championship game played in Atlanta, Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs versus the the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs versus the number two Ohio State Buckeyes. So after all that hullabaloo, same old, same old. One versus two. But interesting observation I'll make before you get to BYU. Okay. Nine of the 12 teams in the college football playoff are from the Big Ten and SEC. How many? Nine out the of twelve. The rich get richer. Nine out of twelve. Wow. Boise State, Utah, Florida State are the only non. Oh, and okay. So into I, I threw them in there. I lumped them in there. So eight of the twelve. Eight of the twelve. But Notre Dame. I mean, we all know what Notre. We can, sort of feel like they. Notre are. Dame's like you know you get what I mean. They're a closet power too. I mean, come on. So eight of the twelve, and the one of the three, one of the four not is Notre Dame. So right. okay. Uh, by the way, BYU on the bowl projections. For Brett McMurphy and his bowl projections, no bowl projected for the Cougars, according to Brett McMurphy of the Action Network. Hit him up on Twitter. Don't don't add us on that. And then uh, Utah State playing in the Arizona Bowl. Who are they playing in the Arizona Bowl? I can't remember. What was the? Uh, gosh, I just want to be Bowling Green, and the Aggies would be favored in Tucson. Hey, is the Pop Tarts Bowl now a Big Twelve affiliate? I think it is. Kansas is playing Louisville according to his projections. Listen. BYU in a Pop-Tart Bowl I want would be the, a dream. I want the freaking Pop-Tart Bowl I so I want to bad. cover a Pop-Tart Bowl. Hey, hey, Nate, our boss, if you're listening, probably got to send the whole show out to the Pop-Tart Bowl. It's an edible It's an edible uh, arrangement. What is it called? It's an edible. Yeah. 
mascot. That's what it is. Yes, it is. They put they murdered him on stage and put him through the toaster. It was it was graphic. <laughs> All right, there you go. We'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. Stay with us. 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Accessing. When TV and radio collide, love it. Wow. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen. Together we are JJ and Alex every afternoon right here on the KSL Sports Zone. You can download the podcast wherever podcasts are found. You can also download any of the shows across the entire station all day long. Don't we have tickets to give away today? Oh, it's the Bill Burr day. I heard Bill Burr on the on, on Hanson Scotty today. I'm jealous. They got to talk to Bill Burr. I would have been really nervous if I were Lloyd. Oh, he told me he was. <laughs> I would have. I would have seen that. His That's hand, one you tape, right? <laughs> his <laughs> hey, hand. Bill, can we tape the interview? His hands hovering over that dump button. Hovering over the dump button. How great was Bill Burr, though? I know, just the best. That's when, see that's old school radio too when like you get a you get somebody coming into town and they promote their thing. Yeah, they'd always come on and the they radio. Just, yeah. They go. They do a whole. They do. They do the rounds, man. It's awesome. All right. Uh, on a serious note, we do have an update on, we told you at the beginning of the show, at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, there was a shooting today that has left one dead. Uh, we also have an update to the numbers on critical condition, immediate life-threatening condition. JJ, what do we know uh, that's been, I guess, we have some added on uh, information as to what's going on in the shooting there in Kansas City today. They continue to investigate the situation. There's some information we have available, not everything that we want to know right now, but this is what we do know at this moment, that there was a shooting at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. There is one dead. Uh, there are three in critical critical condition. Eight were in immediate life-threatening situations at the scene. 22 were injured, either by gunshots or uh, other means. 11 of those that are injured are children, and nine people have gunshot wounds. Yeah. Uh, three so the, people have been taken into custody as well. Yeah, they were involved in the shooting. Uh, the, the, I guess if you want to look for a a fortunate thing in this is there were a lot of law enforcement uh, working the parade that were there at the moment the shots were fired. Uh, they rushed to the scene immediately and quickly. Those that were involved in the shooting were apprehended. Um, now three in custody, by the way, right? Yes, the number is now three. It was at two. It's now up to three. Uh, there were some players that were still on stage when the shooting took place. Mm. So the parade was still technically in progress at the time. So they are still obviously working through this, a terrible situation, horrible situation, and uh, tired of having to deal with this Yeah, it's, an, it's, a, it's over a really... and over and over again it's uh, just, with no solution one. in sight. Yep. Uh, and again, what city is going to want to have a parade after this? I... What? Why? Why have events if you run the risk of these things happening in public? Why large, would, why large would, events. Right. Why you, would players want to go to these? Uh, yeah. No it's, way. That's sad that we're having that conversation. Hopefully, that's not the case, and we'll continue to celebrate and continue to uh, 
live as we always do, but it's tough when these things happen. You're just always thinking in the back of the mind what what terrible thing could happen at this event. Yeah. We've reached that point. Yeah. Let's take a break. We will come back. Uh, around the corner, kicking off the uh, top of the hour, we're going to have Brian Roth from Heat Check CBB talking some college basketball. Boy, the state of Utah has produced uh, some pretty tough teams this year and uh, overperforming, I think, what a lot of folks had coming out of Utah BYU, especially Utah State. Man, Danny Sprinkle, year one, awesome. Uh, We'll talk about all that and much more coming up with uh, Brian Roth of HeatCheckCBB.com. We will come back. More to go, 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, you're locked into JJ and Alex with the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back, everybody. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Thanks for being with us. Our program brought to you by G2G Bars, all natural ingredients and no preservatives. Make the G2G Bar a perfect protein bar for meal replacement, uh, for getting through a three-hour radio show, whatever you need. I just picked those things randomly. So, not that I have anything to do with that. Joining us on the program right now, uh, off of uh, heatcheckcbb.com. You can go to heatcheckcbb.com. Read the Roth report, and then we're, and and that's where you're going to get a ton of information when it comes to college basketball. Uh, Brian Roth joining us right now on the program from Heat Check CBB. Brian, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, we were not expecting to have such competitive teams here in the state of Utah this year. Not just competitive. <laughs> uh, I mean, BYU straight up. People were like, "Buckle up! This is going to be a bad year in the Big 12. And yep. here we are talking about a BYU team that just seems to stay in the in the top twenty five. What are their What is BYU doing that is making them so successful this year? I mean, obviously that eke out of a win against UCF last night was a was a nail biter. But I mean, this was a team that was expected to finish thirteenth out of the fourteen teams of the Big Twelve. Oh, absolutely! It's it's been a huge year for Mark Pope. Uh, and what he's what he's doing with that program, the way they play, the way they space the court, shoot the ball, the the emphasis they place on not only getting quality three point looks, but the amount of three point looks that they that they want to shoot, coupled with how many good passers they have on that team, uh, it's made for some really really beautiful basketball to watch, and also one that's really hard to defend because of the the stress they put on opposing defenses. And we've seen that particularly when they've played against uh, lesser teams. I think the surprising thing with them has been the fact that they've been able to maintain a solid level of play in Big 12 play, right? Like they they were um, the analytical darlings of the non-conference schedule because of the way that they right. dominated everybody. And I, I think it was unfair for them to be viewed as, as, as that caliber of team. I don't know if they were ever that caliber of team. But the fact that they've maintained a pretty solid Big 12 record and is a, a solid you know, top five seed, in the NCAA tournament right now is a huge, huge testament to, I think, Mark Pope and that coaching staff. It's pretty clear the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball now, and it's going to get even better next year with the teams they have coming in. How did this happen? How did the Big 12 become the giant when forever it was the ACC, even the Big 10? 
recently it's been the focus. So all the conference realignment that's been going on, particularly SEC and Big 12, and the trickle-down from that has been football-oriented. And Big 12 has obviously been football-oriented, too. Um, but they have put more of an emphasis on bringing in big basketball programs and successful basketball programs more so than the other conferences have. They see value in that. And um, maintaining a foothold in the NCAA tournament, whatever form college sports takes in the future, you have to include the Big 12 at the highest levels of that because of the programs that they're going to have. Uh, so, so moving forward, that's been the biggest key. Looking back, though, at the coaching hires, and the investment that all those programs have made, not only into the coaching hires, but to the programs, the, the um, resources allocated to facilities and things like that, um, they have, have taken steps forward where everybody else has, has taken steps back. You point to the ACC. The ACC had the best slew of coaches in the country five, ten years ago. A lot of those guys got older and tired. And are the, those programs are kind of in new eras and not as successful eras. Meanwhile, the Big 12, Kansas leads the way, obviously, but Baylor's come up and has been huge. Uh, Texas recently with Chris Beard and then Roddy Terry has been huge. Oklahoma, with Porter Moser bringing him in. You can go up and down the roster in the Big 12. Like, it's been a successful hire after successful, successful hire. There has not been a program that has been consistently at the bottom. If you're one of those people who follows the analytics, and and we are, because I think basketball is one of those things where advanced analytics they just they tell a story. When you when you look at it in college basketball, what's the most important thing that like kind of really gives you an indicator as to how good these teams really are? The uh, I, I look two things. Um, I'll. I'll give credit to uh, my colleague Lucas Harkins, who's our bracketologist at HXCBB, who's one of the best uh, in the game at bracketology. But there are two different things um, with bracketology and the way you look at team sheets with resume metrics and predictive metrics. Oftentimes the team sheets have both of them, but oftentimes we get kind of confused and, and put the two together when in reality they're, they're, they're separate, right? So from a predictive standpoint, teams, uh, Adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency play huge roles in determining how good a team is. And a team like BYU is obviously really successful with that because they show uh, adjusted for competition how well you play offensively and how well you play defensively and the kind of production you can expect on any given night. The resume metrics, I'll point to Quadrant as the most obvious one of these, you want to have a good, obviously, quality record because it shows that you've, you've beaten quality teams. Uh, this year, more than ever, I think we've seen a gap between teams that either have really good predictive metrics but poor resume metrics or good resume metrics and poor, um, uh, poor predictive metrics. If you can pair solid efficiency on, on offense and defense, I would, I would go top 20, top 30 in both categories with an actual proven record of quad one games. You can have a, you, you've beaten quality competition. It's not just you boosting your predictive metrics by beating up on lesser competition. That's the, the big thing for me. You're, you're looking for the, the teams that have proven they're actually good on the court with a good quad one or quad one, a record with those predictive metrics of, of, of there being some proof and, and substance, where it should carry forward as well. It has not been a great year for the Pac-12. Um, not sure how many teams are going to get in. It's not looking great. Utah, we thought, was a safe bet, but they slipped getting swept by the Arizona schools last week, and looks like they're right on the bubble. What are your thoughts on the Pac-12 and specifically Utah? 
their chances of getting in? Yeah, I think the Pac-12 is looking like a three-bid league right now. Uh, there's a chance they can get up to four uh, if Utah takes their business on the stretch and, and Colorado gets in there. And that's, of, of course, unless somebody else gets the, the auto bid. Um, Arizona, obviously pretty clearly in. They're back in the conversation for a one seed with their recent winning streak. Washington State has has played really well the last month, month and a half of the season. Um I actually included them in a, my Ralph report that was published on Monday. Since they they started this win streak, I think they're nine to one in their last ten games. They're fifteenth in the country uh, in per Torvik in terms of how they performed. Like they've been playing like one of the best teams in the country. They've gotten off the bubble, still kind of on that nine ten line, but I think they're pretty safely in right now unless things fall apart. So for the Pac-12, you're looking at kind of that third team. Can we get that fourth team in? That third team right now is Utah. And at this point in the season, if you're on the right side of the cut line, it's avoiding that bad loss, avoiding that one that really drops you down. And the Pac-12 does not have many opportunities for great wins. So for Utah, it's just a matter of holding serve, avoiding that bad loss, and I think they should be fine. If you're looking at, uh, at the Utah State side of things, uh, Danny Sprinkle, who came into Logan this year for the as a first-year uh, head coach, Again, expectations were, hey, let's see what he can do, kind of get his feet under him. I don't think people expected Utah State to be this good. What makes Danny Sprinkle so good as a head coach? And what is he doing right now with this Utah State team that's making them one of the seemingly uh, endless number of Mountain West teams that are doing really well this year? Yeah, and they're at the top of that heap. You know, they're top five, top six teams in Mountain West that are all playing at a really high level uh, and have all season. Uh, and they're right at the top of that uh, in, in conference play. I think they're, they're still in first place. Uh, with a, a full game lead. Um, his style is very smart. It requires high basketball IQ. Uh, the Utah State team is not a great three-point shooting team, uh, which is, I, I know, a stretch or a stray from some of the past Utah State no. teams. But, they, but they're really, really good inside and dominate inside. That's been the key for them, and, and they've been able to bully a lot of the smaller teams that they've played with that strength inside. I have some questions about how that translates when they get to the NCAA tournament because you need quality guard play. We hear that all the time. You need experience in guard play in the NCAA tournament, which is true, and those aren't necessarily questions for Utah State, but um, are, are not the strong suits. But the fact that we're even having this conversation about Utah State in year one with what was a total, total rebuild with Sprinkle coming in, uh, again, I, I think says a lot about him as a coach and as a program builder because uh, he used the portal really, really well. Uh, and, and so if you're a Utah State fan, the next two, three years in particular, I think you got to be very, very excited. And the Mountain West looks like they're in position to get five, maybe a long shot for six. But like the Big 12, is this a lot of the metrics? I don't know. The, the, is the net ranking here a little too high? Do you think there's enough of those teams are really deserving for bids and can they make noise in March? I think there's enough of those bids out there yeah. for, for them to get all six, all six in. You know, part of it is the fact that they are still beating up on each other. There isn't anybody who has really fallen off and, and not held up during the bargain, so to speak. Like the fact there is such a jumble at the top actually benefits the conference as a whole, but looking like nationwide, you mentioned the PAC 12 being down. There are some bids left out there that would normally go to the PAC 12 that are still out there. The ACC is down again. Uh, there are going to be some bids out there that the ACC would normally handle. The Big East has fallen off. Uh, the bubble teams in the Big East 
have fallen off the last month or so. Teams like St. John's, teams like Providence, uh, even teams like, like Xavier that were looking like potential tournament teams about a month ago have fallen off. They've lived some bids on the table as well. So it, there, are, there are bids available. And you look at the bubble, and a lot of these teams, particularly from the power conferences, have legitimate questions and legitimate holes in the resume, which I think does benefit teams like Mountain West or teams in the Mountain West. I'll look at New Mexico and Nevada in particular. I think those are the two that are, are mostly on the bubble uh, of those six. You know, they, they don't have the, the terrible losses and have good wins. It's just a matter of the, the resume metrics and the, the uh, predictive metrics being kind of bubble bubble-ish that's why they're in the spot but from resume standpoint they are i think pretty clearly ahead of a lot of those power conference teams that find themselves in the same situation speaking of the bracketology there that lucas harkins does at uh, heat check taking a quick peek and i don't know if you can write a letter to the ncaa the committee <laughs> that we could just keep it this way a utah state versus utah 6 11 6 being utah state 11 being utah in a first-round matchup, from our rating standpoint and from the TV ratings of our uh, <laughs> colleagues here in the building, can we make that happen somehow? That would be that would be perfect. I, <laughs> I love when we get those kind of those non-conference rivalry matchups going in the tournament. At any time, if I could, if I was on the committee, anytime we could make that happen, I think that would be good. That's a great thing for college basketball. Man. It's been such a good year. Like I watching know. all this, you just don't want any of these yeah. teams to fall off. And Utah has had a, had a rough uh, rough go the last few weeks. And so, is there a way for uh, you know a team like BYU or Utah State to really fall off the the edge of the cliff here at the end and not make the tournament? I do not think so. Uh, BYU, I will say definitely no, because um, there really are no bad losses in the Big Twelve. Right, they'll they'll fall some seed lines, but there isn't that kind of backbreaking loss that isn't going to um, sink you completely. Utah State, I think, is a little bit different. I I mean, maybe there's a possibility that if they you know were not to win a game the rest of the season, they could fall completely off. But I think they've done enough and are high enough to where they would they would still get in. Maybe you know they're on that eleven line with Utah instead. Um, but I I think both of them are are safely in. Speaking of the tournament, how serious are people about? adding more teams do you th- what, what's your feeling um, on that <laughs> I, I think there are two feelings i i the feeling among the people who are going to make the money yeah. uh, are that it needs to or that it needs to expand uh, and 96 has been floated out there as 96 teams um but those who are not set to make money from it i, I haven't met anybody who, <laughs> who wants to expand it um it, i i think we've reached the point where at at some point in the future it is going to expand and it's going to be at the benefit of the power conference schools, particularly the SEC and the Big Ten. That's just going to be the way it is. It is going to absolutely stink, but that's going to be the way it is. This feels like participation prefer- trophies for the Big Ten and the SEC. <laughs> Correct. There, there was the, the quote from Brett Yormark uh, this week. He's talking about it, about how you know they want more of the pie because they contribute more and they would need more of their better teams getting in. And the general consensus was like, well, who are your good teams that aren't getting in? I'm sorry, you know, your team that went six and twelve in conference plays making the tournament. They probably shouldn't anyway. But that's what that's what those conferences are going to push for because they want more of the unit money to come from that, and they have more of the power. So, quite frankly, I think it's just a matter of time until they get what they want. Ugh. Heat check is where you want to go get your information. Heatcheckcbb.com, and uh, it's just it's it's awesome to be able to kind of get this information. It's and look, we're 
you know, a month away from, you know, March Madness really uh, starting up. But uh, this is just a, a fun way to break this thing down. And if you have not checked it out, you got to go do it. Brian Roth the, uh, from Heat Check and HeatCheckCBB.com. You can get the Roth Report uh, every week right here. So, Brian, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. There you go. HeatCheckCBB.com. They have a bracketology spot that I like to visit. I, I look at everybody's, right? But their bracketologist does a pretty phenomenal job of just keeping up on everything. And the Utah State 6 seed to the Utah 11 seed first round matchup, bottle that up and let me live there forever. Well, an 11 would require Utah to go to Dayton first. Yes. Yes. Which would be crazy that you're sitting there watching a game in Dayton. And Utah's reward would be a first-round matchup with Utah State. Utah State yes. I think I would be in Dayton. That would be a big deal, uh, and that would be a lot of fun. It's crazy that we have this many teams in state that could get in the tournament that that's a possibility. Pretty cool. Uh, great year for college football here in the state, or college basketball here in the state, not for college football. Um, Brian was great. He he knew the teams here in the state really well, and it was able like to combine his – It's like he studies his over. He, he knows his stuff. So he knew the teams well and also gave us a big-picture uh, look at, at where those teams are fitting right now in the NCAA tournament spectrum. And uh, it's exciting. I hope Utah can get their act together here. I know they're banged up and dealing with some stuff that way. It would be great to have them in as well, and hopefully Weber State can make a run in Boise, but it won't be easy. That Eastern Washington team is really, really good. All right, let's uh, take a break here. Is today Wednesday? I know it's the 14th. Is it Valentine's Day? It is. Uh, ooh. Jeremy, you're supposed to tell me when it's Valentine's Day, dude. What, I am? Yeah, you're supposed to remind me when it's Valentine's Day. We did at 3.30, remember? I thought that was for tomorrow. Today is the day? Yeah. Oh, boy. You okay? Need help? I'm just getting on a, you know, Amazon afternoon delivery. All right. Wait a minute. You 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 know what day it is, right? <laughs> I know. It's not you, a good... You, you found out at 5.26 p.m. not a good situation. PM. You know what? Costco stays open until 7. They should have some flowers left, right? Maybe. They might have pie. You know, he didn't <laughs> urinate down his leg, man. That's a great place to begin. Uh, might have pie. Probably not any flowers left, but you're welcome to go check. There are several Costcos. I got you some pie. Look, no no offense to Costco, but, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to go look for flowers at Costco. I got you some flowers and some pie from Costco. Flowers and pies. Flowers and pies. <laughs> you know what? Don't be like me. Win some tickets right now on a win ticket Wednesday. I don't think that's going to get it done. Don't be like me. The Here. last rose is left at Costco and a pumpkin pie is probably not going to save you tonight. They're all, we have a handful of baby's breath that fell on the ground. I'll take it. Baby's breath. <laughs> I'll take and it. And the stems are broken. Please. All right. Uh, <laughs> I can just picture you walking in the house with a big pie and some baby's breath. <laughs> Happy Valentine's you know, Day. Because you've had a lot of babies. Dang it. <laughs> a lot of planning going on here. All right. Uh, let me see here. Don't be like me, though. You can win a pair of tickets to Bill Burr Live at Delta Center next week, February 24th. But you can win them right now. So if you win them, then you can tell your sweetheart, hey, we're going to Bill, Bar, uh, Bill Burr Live at the Delta Center. If you do not know Bill Burr, Look him up. Listen to his stuff. Super funny. 801-575-ZONE. That's 801-575-9663. A win ticket Wednesday gives you tickets to Bill Burr at the Delta Center in just 10 days.
801-575-ZONE is the number. Call number 12 right now and wins that pair of tickets to Bill Burr. We will take a break right now. We'll come back. We've got more to go. Hey, the NFL Blitz. We've got some more stuff to read up on when it comes to your NFL Stay, uh, your NFL season that just came to an end. So we'll uh, get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. All the latest news and notes from the league and the locals in the NFL. JJ and Alex bring you the NFL Blitz ah! on 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. <laughs> I'm a spam lover, not the email spam. Spam, spam. Do you like spam? I do. Why did spam get such a bad rap? There was a time spam during... Spam eggs is great. No, I know. During your and my growing up, we ate spam. It got nailed by, I don't know, the anti-spam league. I don't know if it was Big Ham or... <laughs> I don't know who got to him. Big Ham or Big Beef? I'm not Thanks sure. Thanks a lot, PETA. <laughs> no, it wasn't them. You know, they weren't... It was honestly probably the it was probably the beef. It's what's for dinner, people. But I will just say something right now. Spam is not cheap anymore. Right. It is not inexpensive. So when I get it, it's a dang treat. And when I tell the kids, hey, we're doing spam and eggs, they freaking love it. Yeah. If you go to a Hawaiian barbecue place in town, they often will serve spam and eggs if you want it. Oh, give it to me. Yeah, they just had a spam commercial on TV. I'm sold. You know what? Bag the flowers on the way home. Family pack of spam from Costco. Look at you. You get six packages of spam for $22. You believe it's $22? Hey, don't do that. Come on. I don't know. I think you just won Valentine's Day. I'm trying over here. What if I cut them out? What if I line them up like a heart shape? Spam cut into little hearts. (laughs) Something about a clogged artery in there. How romantic. Yeah. That's not romantic. It's sexy, dude. You took it took level. to another level. Wow. Hey, by the way, tomorrow, JJ and I, that's you and me. That's right. We're going to be at the RV show at Mount America Expo Center in Sandy. It's your opportunity to shop, compare, buy the RV of your dreams. See you on Thursday. That's tomorrow. JJ and Alex, we're going to be out there. It's the biggest event of the year for RV enthusiasts. Save a ton of money at the Mountain America Expo Center and the RV Show, where we are going to be broadcasting live. And look, if you can't afford an RV right now, there's so many other things there that will be available to you that might be in your budget that aren't necessarily uh, an RV, but like we found out at the... uh, Get the old uh, General RV. At the boat show. uh, There was a lot of cool stuff there that wasn't just, you have to go drop six figures on a boat. There was really good stuff there. was here, better climb aboard. That still lives, huh? Still alive? It's going to be in the library forever, dude. What Come about on. what about the RV show? Do we have one for that? I no. told you we're working on that. I'll get you I'll get you some music later in the week. Uh the NFL Blitz. Travis Kelsey said his outburst toward Andy Reid was wrong. And what did it take? His brother calling uh, him out on it on uh is it New Heights? Is that what the, yep. is that what their podcast is? Yep. New news. So there you go. Travis Kelsey Actually ended up having to say sorry about it because his his big brother was like, you say sorry right now. 
<laughs> basically. I loved it because it was like, you know, you kind of cross, cross the line big time. Not just with the shove, but with the part where you're yelling at your coach in his face. That was also not good. And yeah. Travis said, uh, in retrospect, that was not a good move. Andy Reid showed a lot of class in how he handled that, and he handled the right way, and he took the pressure off of Travis. But everybody watching it is like, you can't do that. No, I know. He was said during the during halftime, Boomer signs like, you can't do that to your coach. I got pissed. He's absolutely right. You can't. And around here. I don't here, care what the relationship was between the two, that this is how they do things, whatever. No, you can't do that. You, the, the entire world is watching you, and you're acting like that in a game. You're supposed no, to be I'm the best. You. You're supposed to be a good example to the people watching. Don't go at your coach like that. So. And he knows he's wrong. The latest victim of. Uh, all right. A bad call. I'm ready to go. This this makes me mad. Go ahead. And on one play of a game, of one game, that happened to be the Super Bowl, the 49ers have fired defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. I want to just remind people that defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes for the 49ers has had the lowest scoring defense over the past three seasons in the NFL. His teams over the last three seasons have averaged 17.9 points they've given up per game. It is the best defense, arguably, in football. And Steve Wilkes is the guy who runs it. Steve Wilkes is now gonzo. And all, all the defensive coordinator jobs are filled. Because it's it's mid-February. Sure. Steve Wilkes is not the problem. Do you know who the problem is? Micah Shanahanahan. Kyle Shanahan is the problem. Oh, not Mike Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahanahan. Well, look, I've been I grew up hating Mike Shanahan, so now I can start hating Kyle Shanahan more. Why so is Kyle Shanahan not getting any heat for what happened? Uh, this Kyle is Kyle Shanahan's offense wasn't good in the Super Bowl. He has more star power than any offensive coordinator in the league. Repeatedly. His, the Falcons team, when he was the offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl, loaded with talent. Couldn't get the job done. Blew a 10-point lead plus. Bigger than that, right? What was the uh, lead? 28-3 in the third quarter. 28-3. Okay. What happened four years ago? Chiefs are winning in the fourth quarter by 10. Or sorry, 49ers yeah. are winning by 10. They blow the lead again. Blow it up. Okay. The problem was not your defensive coordinator who's been there for a year. This I hate this. Because the optics are really bad, number one. Number two. The guy's you, without a job. You're punishing somebody who it just Kyle Shanahan needs to be held accountable. Kyle Shanahan should be fired. You've got three chances, and every time you've blown it badly, and you've had three 10-plus point leads in Super Bowls and blown it, it's you. You are the problem. Here, here's what's funny about this. Robert Sala has a head coaching job still. And Steve Wilkes, who replaced Robert Sala and actually did a better job after he left, he's out on his butt. Yeah. I Listen, by the way, if you're an NFL team, you should fire your defensive coordinator and hire Steve Wilkes. Is that wrong? <laughs> I, I don't understand why Steve Wilkes I – mean, he actually won with the Carolina Panthers. He took over a bad situation last year. It, okay. Let and me, let me ask you this. Got that team to rally and win games, and they don't hire him. They hire Frank okay. Reich instead, who lasts nine games. By the way, 
Do you think the Giants hire Shane Bowen if uh, Steve Wilkes is available? Do you think that the Cowboys oh. even hire Mike Zimmer? I mean, Mike Zimmer uh, is a former head coach and is a guy who knows a thing or two about defenses. But do you hire Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator? Or do you hire the guy who built a phenomenal defense in a division in a in the same conference in a divi- a conference foe that you have had for decades that he could go you want to know how they run things there you want to know how things work there i don't think that i don't think that steve wilkes is the problem either now do, maybe there are some do you know how ceos used to do their business or bosses used to do their business back in the day this doesn't work anymore it's proven not to work but this is how a lot of people do it you know who they hire they don't hire the best People who are willing to say yes to them. They hire mediocre people that aren't good at their job that make them look good. You never hire somebody who's smarter than you. You never hire somebody who's better than you. I'm just, I, it's dumb. And I don't even like the 49ers. But that's it's a just dumb sad move. That, that Kyle Shanahan's made Steve Wilkes a scapegoat. Steve Wilkes doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve to be fired. He's, one, he's, a, he's an excellent yeah. John coach. Lynch a is smart. Coach in the league. John Lynch is smarter than this. Normally. I don't think John Lynch made this decision. The Super Bowl streaker who got on the uh, field, which, again, my favorite thing is is when it's happening, when it's happening, uh, poor Jim Nance and Tony Romo, what happens? What's the directive that you get from the guy in the truck? When the broadcast stri- has been encouraged not to show... It's not just not show it. They're not really supposed to talk about yes. it. Yes. Because as soon as Nance goes, oh, we got a streak. Uh, there's uh, some people in the field. So, Tony, what on earth is going on with that play call? And then they can't take their eyes off the thing, but they're keeping the – it's a lot of tight shots on Kyle Shanahan's flat-brimmed hat yeah. and a lot of tight shots over at, uh, at Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Alex Gonzalez. I'll say his name. He was one of the uh, he was the one with the shirt off with the white pants that everybody recognized. Quote from him today to the Las Vegas Journal Review. You ready for this? Quote: I literally just paid forty two thousand dollars to go to jail. Don't do drugs, kids. I don't know what the deal was. Hey, he he's had fifty some... years old and rich. He can do what he wants. I know. By the way. Two Florida men were arrested after running on the field during the Sunday's big game. Is that <laughs> oh, a shock? Florida men. Is that a shock? Florida men. Two Florida men. Dot, Even dot, rich dot. Florida men do stupid stuff. How about that? What 23-year-old has $42,000 you can just throw it out and go, yeah, but that Salt Lake City radio station said my name. Yeah, they did. Yeah, mom and dad were like, Trust what's fun. the money for, sweetheart? I got to get on the Super Bowl field, mom. Did you hear the whole story? He said it's his dream. No, it was an elaborate scheme. So he was going to, he went to Vegas and he was going to place money on there being a streaker because he thought that was a prop bet. And so he was, he was going to ensure that he made money on the bet by making a plan to go streaking. So him and his buddy, they, they spend $42,000 on Super Bowl tickets front row. And then after he comes up with the elaborate scheme, they buy the tickets and everything else. And they started bragging to some wealthy people in Vegas that they were partying with that they were going to do this. So go put, go put money on it. Well, they found out that that's not a real prop bet. No. It's not a real prop bet. So he's like, oh, no. Well, we're already in this. We might as well do it anyway. It's something that Vegas knows that a random 23-year-old from Florida could actually affect the outcome, too, so they don't have that as a prop bet. Or a 50-year-old. 
right? Or somebody who they pay to do it, right? It's not even just them. Anyway, bottom line is they got on the field. That's it. Crazy young rich kid does something really stupid. Good for him. And we're talking about it, so I guess he got what he wanted. Jazz basketball around the corner. Coming up, we've got our Jazz Daily. We've got our Jazz pregame also at the top of the hour on the Jazz Radio Network. You heard us chatting with Locke. We'll kind of uh, discuss some of those things. And no LeBron James with the Lakers, but they're uh, they're in town. That means the Jazz are favorites. We'll tell you by how much next, right here at 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Um. You know what's coming. Your daily deep dive into everything Utah Jazz. It's time! All season long and even in the offseason, it's Jazz Daily with JJ and Alex on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna dunk it! All right, everybody, welcome back. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. You can always download the podcast if you miss anything on the program. David Locke gave his thoughts on how this Jazz team uh, is now currently constituted and what that means for Will Hardy and what he's got to do. It's not earth-shattering in the sense that, uh, you know, he's not going to tell you, oh, they will be the number nine seed, you know. It's nothing along those lines. You know what it is? It's a reality dose for people who are like, hey, this team is not – it's not the worst – it didn't suddenly become the worst team in the NBA or even in the West or even in their division. They've got a lot to learn. They've got a lot they've got to do. But uh, Will Hardy requires everybody to play freaking hard. And if you play hard in the NBA every night, which most do, most of these guys do, but not every team does. Not every team's interested. The Jazz are going to lose a lot of games the rest of the season, J.J. I'm convinced of that. I agree. But I think you're going to get a lot of really, really good minutes out of all of these dudes. And we'll get the shakeout this to see kind of who's the most important kind of going along here. I got I got a lot of I, I got a lot of good out of, uh, out of our conversation with Locke. I feel a little bit better about things. Good, good. Uh, no LeBron James tonight, which sucks. Uh, people pay money to see him play, but he's not going to be here. He doesn't play back-to-back, road back-to-backs. Um, so he will not be. But in street clothes, probably greeting fans. Is that where? I hope so. I hope he at least made the trip, but I don't know that for sure. I don't sure. think he did. <laughs> um, but this is actually a chance for the Jazz to get a win tonight because without LeBron James in the second night of a back-to-back, while the Jazz are a little bit rested, maybe we could see this team pull out a victory. Hmm. And I don't, you know, I don't want to see the Jazz lose every game, but I do actually, and that's why I brought it up with David Locke, I do want to see them keep their pick this year. I don't want to see them convey their pick to the Thunder this year. So, uh, Win every now and again, but uh, definitely keep that pick top 10 protected this year. Okay. Uh, before we get to the Jazz pregame, uh, I know that Ben Anderson is going to be hosting tonight with uh, with Tim Lacombe to start things off here. That's going to be at the top of the hour. I'll be hosting tomorrow with Tim, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the RV show early, and then I'll do some of my Jazz pre-half and post. That's terrible news. You want to know why? Why? Because then it's just me. Actually, no. Sam Farnsworth is going to join Sam's you. Sam's going to join you. And guess what? Joke's on me, you're going to be at the RV show longer than I will That's right. So there you go. Party. It's going to be a lot of fun, all right? Uh, Let me see here. Really 0-3 the rest of the – I mean, for at the end of this week here? Probably. All right. If we're honest. The Warriors are trying to make the playoffs. Okay. So are the Lakers, although LeBron's not playing. But I I think the Warriors are hot right now. All right. We'll take the break here. Uh, So for Jeremy, our producer, for JJ, I'm Alex. We'll be back again tomorrow for another edition of – the program 
at the RV show there at Mountain America Expo Center, 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone.